You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. The province has unveiled its long-awaited ride-sharing legislation today, but it's still going to be a long time before you can use the Uber app. That's right. Our Richard Zussman outlines the key points of the new legislation and how it's all expected to work. The wait has felt longer than trying to grab a cab on a busy Saturday night. But after years of work, legislation introduced today that will open the door for ride-hailing services in British Columbia. For years, people have been asking for a new, convenient and safe option to get around. Our government promised Made in BC ride-hailing, and today I'm proud to put forward the next steps to deliver it. The NDP originally promised these services would be available last Christmas. Now we're looking at the fall of 2019 at the earliest. Uber Canada not in a festive mood as another busy holiday season approaches with no ride-sharing companies on the road. British Columbians want the same ride-sharing service available in Vancouver, Victoria and Kelowna that they've already tried in Seattle, in Toronto, in Bellingham. Uh, Today's legislation is a step forward but still it raises a lot of questions about if that will be possible and when that may be possible. Here are some of the specific details in the legislation. All ride-sharing drivers will need commercial Class 4 licenses. ICBC will now have until the fall to create an insurance package and all drivers will need a criminal record check. It's the big players who tend to dominate um, and in this kind of carefully regulated system where safety is put first, it's the, uh, the general public that wins. The legislation also gives substantially more power to the government's Passenger Transportation Board, who can determine if taxi companies or ride-sharing companies can drop off without restrictions from municipal boundaries and set the prices both taxis and ride-sharing companies can charge. What they've set up is a cumbersome, government-run bureaucracy for something that should be determined by market demand. There's some good news for those tired of waiting. The government is hopeful legislation will be passed by next week. But that's just the beginning. Richard Zussman, Global News. All right, Keith Baldry is live in Victoria now with more on this. Keith, the all-important question, when is this actually going to become a reality? Yeah, we're going to be talking about this for a long time, Chris. So here's the bill. There's nothing in here that sets a date about this coming in. The news release from the government, that's all it is, is a news release, sets the target of 2019, the fall of 2019. The one person really unhappy with that, the guy who's actually been driving this issue more than anyone, Andrew Weaver, the leader of the Green Party, twice has brought in private members' bills to set up a ride-sharing, twice has been defeated. Uh, We caught up with him after the news conference. He likes the fact that the bills have been introduced, but he says the delay is unacceptable happy with this and we've expressed our uh, unhappiness already and we will be doing what we can to bring this forward. Look, I'm, I'm hoping that the demand and the pressure is, is, is there from the public. I get a litany of videos sent to me of people standing outside, you know, profanities outside of Vancouver Airport, not being able to get uh, taxis. As I've mentioned, you know, my own wife was kicked out of a cab in Vancouver. There are real problems that have not been addressed, uh, still not addressed. And, you know, competition's good. Uh, the public demand it, the public want it, and there's no excuse to continue to delay. So Andrew Weaver is going to push the NDP government to bring this in sooner, but I'm not sure he's going to be that successful. ICBC has to come up with a whole new insurance scheme uh, for uh, ride-hailing drivers. At the same time, they're trying to overhaul their rate structure. A lot of work for ICBC. So fall of 2019, maybe. I think it might be even later than that. Yeah, we we heard today, Keith, they're starting from scratch, too. Some of Mm -hmm. that uh, groundwork uh, won't be used. But thanks very much for that. Keith Baldry in Victoria. 
Well, it's often frustrating and can be a big cost for those who have to go to the hospital paying for parking. But in Surrey tonight, City Council is voting on easing the added stress by making parking free around the hospital. And as John Hua reports, they're appealing to Fraser Health to do one better. The extra cost of coming in for treatment, getting billed to be at a loved one's hospital bedside. It's not hard to find people who have a deep hatred for pay parking at Surrey Memorial Hospital. It's not a rec center where it's for leisure. This is for, you know, different reasons, health reasons, life or death. Many say it's wrong to gouge those who are often going through the hardest times in their lives. My wife was in here for 75 days three years ago, and I spent $1,000 on parking. Put the change in credit cards away, says Surrey Mayor Doug McCallum. City Council supporting two-hour free parking around Surrey Memorial and at City Hall. They're under a lot of tension when they go to the hospital. And the last thing they need to do is um, try to find some money or a credit card to pay parking. The no-charge change unofficially started a few weeks ago, making this Surrey Street parking the hottest spots in town. I just love it because I've been coming here for two months now. This is very exciting and helpful. Despite an $850,000 hit to parking revenues, McCallum says it's the right thing to do. The community doesn't want to be sort of two-bitted to death every time they come to the city hall or to go and visit their loved ones in the hospital. The city also challenging Fraser Health and private companies to do the same. They currently operate more than 2,000 spots at the hospital, charging up to 425 for the first hour. I think the hospital should follow suit. You know, I mean, the city has done that. Fraser Health wouldn't put anyone on camera, but state's parking helps pay for lot security, lighting and repaving. And extra cash goes back into the health care system. Even if they just reduce the amount you have to pay, because it gets very expensive. With the city willing to take a loss to help patients and their families, Fraser Health will have a harder time justifying the high price of a hospital visit. John Hua, Global News. We're learning more tonight about why the Integrated Homicide Investigation Team took over the case of a fatal car crash in Burnaby over the weekend. The woman who died is identified by IHIT as Nicole Hasselman. They now believe she was a victim of foul play. Tanya Beja has more on how friends are remembering the popular 34-year-old and why IHIT is appealing to the public. A crash that closed Barnett Highway and left 34-year-old Nicole Hasselman dead is now being investigated as a homicide. We believe she met with foul play. Uh, this wasn't certainly a natural death. Uh, something, uh, this is a suspicious death that we're, that we're investigating. The Integrated Homicide Investigation Team says Hasselman, also known as Nicole Porcello, was ejected from a grey Kia Sorento Friday night. She suffered injuries suggesting foul play and died. The man travelling with her is now recovering in hospital. He is a person of interest. We believe he holds uh, key information to what happened to Nicole. Uh, now our investigators will be speaking with this gentleman. Police spent the weekend canvassing the area around a home on College Parkway in Port Moody that they believe Hasselman may have visited Friday. Police also looking for witnesses who spotted the Sorrento around her Ridgeview Drive home in Burnaby. We have some idea of what Nicole was doing, but we really need to get a full picture of what she was doing, who she was meeting, meeting up with this past Friday, November 16th. 
Hasselman worked at Vancouver's Templeton Secondary as a support worker for students with special needs. On social media, parents tweeted she was dearly loved by all who knew and interacted with her. It is a very sad and trying time for the school community. Uh, we're doing our best to provide information and support to parents and staff and, uh, and students directly as they cope. Friends say Hasselman was also passionate about her growing makeup business. She was just building herself, building her brand and moving forward, you know, in life as we do when we're young. Those who knew her can't understand why anyone would target the young mother. The thing with Nicole is that every time I saw her, warm, bright, smiling all the time, caring, always looked at you directly in the eye. You know, she she really did care about humans and people and um, and children. Tanya Beja, Global News. And in a separate case, tomorrow IHIT is expected to update an investigation involving the discovery of a body under the Golden Ears Bridge, a large police presence in the Hammond neighborhood of Maple Ridge over the weekend. The victim was found early Sunday morning and is known to police. Investigators still are not saying much about men wearing Hell's Angels insignia who showed up at the scene, but more information is expected tomorrow. Well, the agonizing wait continues for two local police officers trapped in Cuba for months. The pair, accused of sexual assault, recently exonerated by a panel of five female judges. But as Sarah McDonald reports, the prosecution is now appealing that ruling and their families are devastated the two men still aren't allowed to come home. Their acquittal after eight months in legal limbo sparked cautious optimism among those anxiously awaiting the return of two Metro Vancouver police officers, and for good reason. In Cuba, an appeal is commonplace in criminal matters. Days later, the news supporters of Mark Sims and Jordan Long, constables with the Vancouver Police and Port Moody Police respectively, had feared. That unanimous acquittal on charges related to an alleged sex assault by a panel of five female judges now being challenged by the prosecution. What causes an appeal? There are many factors. Pride of the losing prosecution team. Diplomacy. If one country wants to send a message to another. Money. The families of both men releasing a joint statement Monday saying in part, Our hopes and prayers in this situation have always been for truth, evidence, fairness and justice. Adding as families, we knew the allegations were false. This news comes as a painful realization that the nightmare is not over yet. We expect that truth and justice will continue to prevail. That statement continues with both families calling on the provincial and federal governments to intervene and work with Cuban authorities to expedite the judicial process in this case. The province not providing comment at this point, foreign affairs, only confirming that consular assistance is being provided. How long will it take to resolve the case for this family? The answer is unknown. For them, an agonizing ongoing waiting process continues. The teenage accuser in this case, a Canadian herself, now home in Ontario, as the fate of these officers and any timeline surrounding it lies in the hands of the Cuban courts. Sarah McDonald, Global News. A warning tonight after a number of recent coyote attacks involving pets. Dog owners in the Point Grey area are being advised to keep their dogs on a short leash after at least two deadly attacks in Vancouver. One happening over the weekend, a teacup poodle snatched Saturday afternoon and another pet owner getting in touch with Global News to say his Chihuahua mix, Shelia, was snatched at Jericho Beach Park last month. Uh, I heard a yelp and I turned around 
and there was a, uh, a coyote with Sheila hanging from its mouth. And it was the worst experience, it's horrific. And that's the reason I want to get this story out, is because there are coyotes out there and they will do this. The description of the coyote, large with a black marking, is similar in both cases. Again, dog owners are being warned to keep a close eye and a short leash on their pets. The Vancouver School Board is wrestling with a vexing problem that has a number of parents concerned. How to balance the need to make schools earthquake safe and finding a place for all the students while that work takes place. Catherine Urquhart reports on the challenge that began at the 100-year-old Edith Cavell Elementary, but will have an impact on a lot of kids at other schools, too. Outside Maple Grove Elementary, parents and neighbours emerged from a meeting with Vancouver school board officials, most unhappy after learning about plans to accommodate kids from Edith Cavell Elementary during seismic upgrading. We have enough issues here um, already and to bring in another 300 students is really absurd. It's not dump another school here and try and do a quick solution to things. Let's take the time and look at it and keep all our kids safe. Plan A had Edith Cavell students being bused to schools across town near Boundary Road. Parents revolted and suggested Plan B, placing kids at McGee Secondary using eight classrooms and seven trailers with access to neighboring Maple Grove's library and playground. Our major concern right now is lack of due process and consultation. We learned about this issue through social media. Further complicating matters, Maple Grove is getting a new school and construction begins in the new year. It's problematic because during construction time, the playground will also be uh, closed off. So the room that is currently available for outdoor space will no longer be available. As a neighbour, I'm concerned about the streets are narrow. There's a lot of traffic coming to the school already. A survey is underway at Edith Cavell to gauge support, but some fear a decision has already been made. The VSB denies that. No, it's not a done deal at this point. That's why we were out meeting with, uh, or my colleagues were out meeting with uh, the PAC chairs today. The original transportation plan wasn't found satisfactory by the parents, so I completely understand that. And I think that the Vancouver School Board is trying to find something much more satisfactory. The school board says a decision on where Edith Cavell kids will be placed during seismic upgrading should come in the next few weeks. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Right now, though, a heartbreaking discovery in Cowichan Bay. A sea lion spotted in distress with what appears to be a rope or fishing line embedded in its neck. Kylie Stanton explains why the woman who found the injured mammal worries help may arrive too late. They're as loud as they are large. Wow, wow, amazing. Oh yes, it is very, very impressive. Every year at this time, hundreds of sea lions descend on Cowichan Bay to fatten up and lounge on the docks. It's fantastic. I've never seen anything quite like it. But a closer look by boat shows one appears to be suffering. Here he is, right here. Lying down, lethargic, with a rope sinking deep into its neck. It's been there for a long time. It looks like it's dug right into the skin, and, and, um, and he's looking sick, sicker today than he was on Friday. That's when Marianne Miranda Young first spotted the sea lion while out crab fishing nearby. She captured it on video and immediately called Fisheries and Oceans Canada for help. Well, I just don't want him to suffer. On Monday, a patrol boat arrived on scene. 
In a statement, Fisheries and Oceans Canada said, we will continue to monitor the animal to determine if its body condition is deteriorating. DFO is a coordinating member of the BC Marine Mammal Response Network. Any action in response to a marine mammal in distress is evaluated on a case-by-case basis. In the past, the team has disentangled sea lions by mildly tranquilizing them, just enough to avoid potential drowning. That's how they were able to free this one in Fanny Bay from a shoelace. They should try and do something about it. As word spreads about this case, many are hoping to see the same steps taken here. That's something that should be removed, obviously. I don't think he'll last much longer if we don't get it off him. The sooner, the better. Time could be running out and the pressure is on. You know, before it's too late. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Cowichan Bay. Black Friday is just a few days away, and even with online shopping now, experts predict you will for sure find some door crasher deals. Our consumer reporter, Andrea, is here with a preview of the hot items and some tips on how to be a savvy shopper, And The key here, do your research. Know your pricing beforehand. Thanks, you too. Well, it seems Black Friday sales hit consumers earlier and earlier each year, but retail experts say there are still some good deals out there. Just make sure you know your pricing before hitting those sales. According to redflagdeals.com, a Canadian bargain hunting and coupon website, shoppers can expect to see some deals on video game systems with retailers taking the system and bundling it with games or an extra controller or maybe even online memberships at a discounted price. Wearable technology like Apple Watches and Fitbit are also expected to be discounted. And from a TV perspective, Red Tag Deals is predicting deals on 55-inch 4K TVs. As for Cyber Monday, which follows Black Friday, it's not as big in Canada compared to the U.S., but expect to see some bargains on that day too. From a TV perspective, we're seeing, you know, 55-inch 4K TVs sporadically throughout the year for under $500. So for Black Friday, I certainly would not pull the trigger on on any kind of 55-inch TV unless it was below that $500 mark. You'll still see, you know, Amazon will have some really great deals online. Uh, You know, we expect the Microsoft Store will have some really good deals online. A lot of the apparel manufacturers and, and their websites will have good deals. So again, if you know what you're doing and you look around, you should be able to find some really great deals. Now, it's also recommended you set up your account at certain online sites of interest beforehand, like your shipping address and billing information, to save time on Black Friday or Cyber Monday so you avoid wasting time and potentially losing whatever was in your shopping cart. So try and plan in advance to take advantage of those savings. And if you have a consumer issue for me, there's my email address at consumermatters@globalnews.ca. All right. Great advice. Thank you, Anne, and happy shopping, everyone. Well, Freedom Mobile is raising the stakes in the wireless data battle. The company is tackling one of the biggest complaints of customers, the sky-high costs of going beyond your monthly plan. Global's Jill Croto has more on what's being offered and why a lot of consumers might love it. It's a common complaint with cell phone users getting gouged for data overages. It can get expensive to go beyond your monthly plan limits. I do feel like it's for what I'm getting. It's actually outrageous, the price that they are charging and they're allowed to charge. It's just mainly because of the data, right? Like if you pass if you pass on just by not even five megabytes, you just basically charge for 15 more bucks. So far, mine is good. I don't know how everyone else feels, but I know a lot of people spend a lot of money on their cell phone bills. So they do. maybe if there's better competition and more of it and they offer more things to consumers, it'd be a lot more easier. And, to choose and what provider to use. 
One wireless provider is trying to get an edge in the competitive landscape by offering a promotion timed with Black Friday. The current telecom landscape in Canada is strongly punitive in its pricing structure, so it charges customers up to 100 gigabytes extra when they go through their data bucket. We wanted to embrace the growing trend of mobile data and allow customers to have a worry-free approach to using their wireless phone. Industry analysts say it's positive to trigger competition, but admit not all consumers will be able to take advantage. And part of the problem is a lot of people are locked into contracts, so they can't even exercise like a good deal like this when they see it. Um, the gotcha nowadays because of the CRTC is that people are being locked in for a two-year deal, and that's the gotcha on this one, but it is extremely attractive. There's no doubt about it. The deal applies to new and existing customers. A 100-gigabyte stash is almost like a bonus of extra data that doesn't expire provided they sign on for a two-year plan. Global News has reached out to Bell, Rogers and TELUS to find out if they plan to launch any counter-promotions. TELUS responded, telling customers to visit their website. Jill Crotel, Global News. All of a sudden you hear five to six gunshots. Pow, 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 pow. A police officer is among four dead after a shooting at a Chicago hospital. Witnesses say a gunman repeatedly shot a woman near a parking lot outside Mercy Hospital before going inside and opening fire. Police say the gunman was later killed. Police have not released details about the suspect, the victims or a possible motive. To California now and crews continuing to comb through the devastation left behind by the deadly campfire. Nearly 1,000 people remain unaccounted for. And with a weather change in the forecast, there is an even greater urgency. It's painfully slow work that gets more difficult with each passing day. Search crews combing through the ruins of paradise looking for remains of loved ones lost to the fire. There are a lot of people that want some answers. They are depending on us to find their loved one. With the death toll rising daily, close to a thousand are unaccounted for. It's all, it's all gone. Firefighter paramedic Dave Smith responded in the first few hours as flames raged through town. But you can see somebody. The fire personal. Smith's sister and nephew barely escaped before their home was consumed. Uh, it's, it's tough. It's tough. So looking forward. I'm very thankful. Um, looking forward to Thanksgiving, getting everybody together. Others still desperate to find friends and family. Who have reached the voicemail box? That's all I get. Five, three, zero. Let us know you're okay, buddy. With the fire still burning, the holidays will be bittersweet. Officials say they're worried that rain in the forecast will complicate search efforts on the ground. It's another race against time for thousands holding out hope their loved ones are still alive. Steve Patterson, NBC News, Paradise, California. And how about this? A B.C. family trades their vacation in for a Walmart parking lot, all in an effort to do whatever they could to help the victims of the California fires. Paul and Destiny Klein joined up with a local food truck helping to feed thousands of evacuees. They pooled their vacation funds, and with the help of other generous Canadians, the Kleins were able to purchase around $5,000 in gift certificates to hand out to families who had lost everything. I met people, all they had was the clothes on their back. They, they could make it out, one guy with his cat. Another fellow, poor guy, he wasn't able to make it back in and, and, uh, and he lost his mom in the fire and he just broke down in my arms. That was a hard one. Well, auto racing is fraught with danger, but a crash over the weekend proves how well protected drivers are in the event of a crash. 
You might have noticed that video captures the terrifying moment when a teenage race car driver appeared to clip another driver's car before she flies off the track at high speed. It happened Saturday at the Macau Grand Prix Formula 3 final. Miraculously, the teen driver survived. Yesterday, Sophia Florsch tweeted, just wanted to let everybody know that I am fine, but will be going into surgery tomorrow morning. She goes on to thank her race car teams for taking great care of her and everyone for the supporting messages. And another close call in Florida. Take a look at this. It's just another Sunday night at a Little Caesars in Lake City, Florida, until this happens. A woman parking her SUV hops the curb and drives right through the front of the building. No word on exactly why it happened, but she is charged with careless driving. Thankfully, no one was seriously injured. Thousands of residents have been forced to flee as Guatemala's volcano of fire erupts, spewing hot ash and rock. Ash reached heights of almost 7,000 meters, and the flow spread over three kilometers. The force so strong it shook homes, and witnesses say it sounded like a train barreling through the area. So far, there have been no reports of injury. This is not the first time the region has been hit this year. An eruption in June killed 194 people, and hundreds still remain missing. The volcano is considered the most active in Central America. Well, starting today, your wallet could contain a new part of Canadian history. A new $10 bill featuring Nova Scotia civil rights pioneer Viola Desmond officially goes into circulation. Take a look. This will be the first banknote to feature a Canadian woman. Desmond was arrested in 1946 after refusing to leave the whites-only section of a new Glasgow movie theater. Desmond's sister, Wanda Robson, was the first person to make a purchase with the new bill. Robson says it's a giant step forward in continuing her sister's work toward equality. In Health Matters tonight, a promising new treatment could help people with peanut allergies. Researchers say giving people small amounts of peanut powder each day can desensitize them to nuts over time. Two-thirds of patients who underwent this treatment were able to tolerate the equivalent of two peanuts per day after a full year. That means they would be protected from a severe reaction if they accidentally ate or were exposed to something with peanuts in it. The FDA is expected to approve the treatment late next year. An elevator goes on an 80-story free fall before stopping how firefighters eventually rescued those who became trapped right after Christie's forecast. Thanks. That's my Scary indeed. No kidding. <laughs> All right. Uh, before we get to that story, of course, Christy Gordon joining us with a look at our forecast. There was some pretty spooky fog that rolled in, made it look like Halloween. Again. It sure did. Tough to see it now in this shot here, Sophie. But we do have a time lapse between about four and five this afternoon. The fog bank that was out in the street of Georgia all day rolled back into the city. Yes, that is a bit creepy looking, isn't it? Aha. Uh -huh. So yes, we'll continue to see that fog overnight. It does clear through the morning hours, but this was the shot from this morning. Not much of a view from the ferry. Thanks to Ron and Pat for that one. But it did finally clear across the region. Lots of great shots. It really was a stunning day, not only across the south coast, but across many parts of the province. This shot from Euclid and then another one from Whistler looking like summer. I do believe that's the nudie dock. Not that I would know about that one, but no one on it 
it right now because it is very chilly, although it looks like summer. Uh, so there's, there's your temperatures this morning, a minus 8 to minus 3 in the interior regions. Vancouver hit minus 1. We saw a lot of frost this morning, but I'm not expecting that frost tomorrow. So you shouldn't need to scrape your windshield. We'll drop down to about 3 or 4 degrees tomorrow afternoon, warming up to about 11. That is above seasonal for this time of year. Normally we should be hitting 8 degrees. And yes... Tomorrow will be dry. Today was the last really sunny day. We'll see more cloud cover tomorrow, but it will be dry. Majority of the moisture pushing into the north and central coast, but we will see that change across our region on Wednesday with light rain expected. Across the northern regions, there's your rainfall, snowfall for a smithers before it changes over to rain. We will see sunshine over higher terrain in the interior. We'll see plenty of valley cloud and fog through the morning periods, but that should clear by about noon. And yes, the south coast. More cloud tomorrow, but at least one more dry day. It's Wednesday and Thursday we're expecting the rain. Still more showers expected on Friday and into Saturday, so we're definitely in for a wet pattern over the next couple of days. I hope you were able to enjoy today another shot of that fog rolling in. Thanks to Sally for that shot. All right. Thanks very much, Christy. Love the time lapse. <laughs> All right, here's a nightmare scenario. You're in an elevator when suddenly something snaps and you plummet hundreds of feet. That's exactly what happened in Chicago over the weekend. Amazingly, rescuers managed to reach those who were trapped and none was seriously hurt. In one of the most iconic and tallest buildings in Chicago, a terrifying ride as an elevator plunged 84 floors after at least one cable snapped. Six people trapped inside, including a pregnant woman. It was a pretty precarious uh, uh, situation where we had the uh, cables that were broke were on top of the elevator. They were forced to cut through a brick wall to pry it open. The tourists stuck for three grueling hours some fearing for their lives. They were uh, from out of town, all right, and uh, visiting this great city, and they were just uh, very joyous that the Chicago Fire Department came to assist. Everyone got home safely thanks to Chicago's bravest. Hmm. Be, a little, be a little freaky, no doubt about it. So have you ever been on an elevator and you've thought about that happening? Yeah. And then you think, okay, so if it's going down and I jump up just before it hits the bottom, would I be okay? <laughs> you can't. I do think about those See? things. See? I do. You can't jump at 9.8 meters per second no. squared. You just can't. You can't jump high enough <laughs> to make that difference, no. right? The elevators in my building keep breaking down. So I think I'm just going to take the stairs from now on. That yeah. might be well, you're better way. shaped that way. <laughs> Well, how's this for catching a wave? Some of the world's top surfers riding these over 15-meter waves in Portugal. A World Surf League event was held there on Friday, but most just couldn't leave the amazing surf and chose to ride on after the competition. The spectators didn't want to miss anything either. The guy who wiped out, by the way, he was fine. Big-time crashes. Big-time wipeouts. I have one at the end fun. of this show. Did you see that one yesterday with the, uh, no. the teenage driver from Germany? Yeah, oh, we yeah. We yeah, we did. We ran it a little little bit earlier. Oh, well, then, there's no point me running it. <laughs> what were you doing Maybe here I, on no, a Sunday? I, I don't know. Were you here? Okay. No, no, I was, I was there. All right. I wasn't here. I was there. Okay. Uh, there are now, I think, three BC boys who have played for the New York Yankees. Okay, well, James Paxton hasn't played there yet. But he was traded to New York this afternoon by the Mariners for three prospects, pretty good prospects. Paxton joins Jeff Francis and Aaron Guile as the other BCers to wear the pinstripes. And Paxton will be a key member 
of the Yankees pitching staff in 2019. It's been quite a year for Ladner's James Paxton. He was roughed up a little by an eagle in Minnesota during opening ceremonies before a game. Then, of course, after surviving that, he pitched a no-hitter in Toronto a week after striking out 16 against the Oakland A's. Now he's been dealt in a big trade to the Yankees. If he can stay healthy, I've said this before, he's a Cy Young threat. He is that good. He's just had some bad luck with the injuries, the big maple pass. All right, who's the best NHL team in Canada? Is it Toronto? Is it Winnipeg? It would be fun if they met in the Stanley Cup final. Could happen. The uh, Jets are in town tonight to face Vancouver. It's possible Alex Edler might be able to play. Skated this morning at practice. Sam Gagne will play. We'll have more on his return from the minors in a few minutes. The Canucks, of course, have lost five in a row. They have been outscored 16-7 during this streak. Now, just the same, a quarter of the way through the NHL season, and Vancouver has played better than most of us expected, especially with the amount of injuries the Canucks have had. So, as we said before the break, who would you say the MVP has been for the Canucks so far? Elias Pettersson has certainly been the most exciting player, the most talked about, the most tweeted about. He leads the team in gifts, or is it gifs? Uh, best rookie in the NHL so far, but he's not the MVP. Bo Horvat is. With Jay Beagle and Brandon Sutter out, Horvat has become a multitasker. Need a defensive zone faceoff? Bo Horvat. Offensive zone faceoff? Bo Horvat. He's taken more faceoffs than any player in the NHL this season. 107 more than the guy in second place. Another win for both. I, I love it. To be honest with you, it's um, you know, I take a lot of pride in my faceoffs, and I, you know, I find the more I take, the more of the rhythm I get into, and um, it's something that I want to do. It's something I want to be out there for in the key situations. You know, he's a bull. He's strong. He's he's in great shape. He's a good example for uh, for other young players. Because of the injuries to Beagle and Sutter, his ice time is over 20 minutes per night. But the added time has meant more scoring than usual. 10 goals in 22 games, three on the power play, one of them shorthanded. He's like an LED light bulb. He never burns out. It's not like he's a heavier player now. He's lighter than he probably ever has been, but he's in great shape and he's strong and he can handle hard games, hard minutes. Essentially, he's a prototypical playoff player when the Canucks get to the playoffs. I mean, everyone in the room knows you get into playoff hockey how heavy it is and hard it is. Uh, you know, Bo is a player that's built for that kind of hockey. Now, as much as Bo is easily handling the extra duties, the Canucks do want to lighten his workload just a bit, so they brought Sam Gagne back from the minors. He'll play tonight against Winnipeg. Gagne wasn't even on the Canucks minor league team in Utica. He was being loaned to Toronto's minor league team. Makes the stop. Puck is still loose. Sitting there wide open. Ned Gagne scores. He had 15 points in 15 games with the Marlies. He's here, among other things, to help out on the Canucks' power play. You know, he's a good pro, and we thought about bringing him up last week during the trip. Uh, wanted to continue with the group we had and see, see how it went. And I just feel like it's good timing to bring him in right now, especially after an emotional loss the other day. I was excited. I think um, I, I went down there and played as hard as I can, and... Um, try to get better and um, felt like I did that so uh, it's definitely exciting to get the call and it's huge for us and, and guys realize that guys know what he's been through and and uh, he's, he's a vocal guy in the room and he likes to uh, to keep it loose and, and 
but also when it comes to game time, he's serious about it, and he, you know, he says the right things at the right times. And to have that in our room right now, especially with a young core, is going to be good for us. LA Memorial Coliseum hasn't been a Monday Night Football game there since 1985. Well, Rams got off to a good start against the Chiefs. That's Josh Reynolds. It's 13-0. But both of these teams, as great as they are offensively, are not very good defensively. Kareem Hunt. This one's going in. But the Rams did score a defensive touchdown, surprisingly, 23-17 in the second quarter. Okay, I know you talked about this earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, Formula 3 driver Sophia Flursch underwent successful surgery on a fractured spine today after one of the scariest accidents you'll ever see. Doctors say there is no fear of paralysis. She is 17. Here's a look at the accident, a bit shocking to say the least. It's in Macau, and one thing about this track, this track causes a lot of accidents. In fact, since 1973, eight drivers have died on this track. Oh. Two photographers and a track worker were treated as well because she basically flew into the photographer's area. Backwards. Well, you know what? That might have helped her a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. If she had gone in forwards, it could have been much, much different. Anyway, as we said, no fear of paralysis. She is out of surgery, and hopefully one day she'll be back on the track. Here's a look at your snow report. Whistler Blackcomb opening November 22nd. Sasquatch December 13th. Revelstoke opening December 1st. Fernie November 30th. Manning Park November 24th. And Whitewater December 7th. Big White and Silver Star both opening November 22nd. Sun Peaks currently open with a base of 67 centimeters. Kicking Horse open December 7th. Mount Washington as well. And Powder King opening November 23rd. It's one of the most peaceful, tranquil places in all of Vancouver. But there's a life and death battle underway at the Dr. Sun Yat-sen Gardens right now. You might be shocked to learn that a rogue otter has snuck in. It's infiltrated. <laughs> and it's feeding on the ornamental koi that inhabit the pond. And now the race is on to catch it before it's too late. First up, for any otter, a fish is a fish. So what's the big deal? Well, it is here at Vancouver's Sun Yat-sen Gardens, home to hundreds of small and about a dozen very large koi fish. But their population is rapidly diminishing. Obviously, he's a very creative <laughs> otter. Um, and I mean, all the power to him for finding a niche environment. These gardens are in the middle of the downtown east side, nowhere near a river, yet this is a river otter. We were thinking maybe someone dropped it off. We had um, people releasing goldfish and other animals into the pond before, and now this is the last thing we wanted to see. Sometimes the water table, if it raises up really high, the water can like backlog up through some of the pipes, and it could have gotten in that way because he's not taking the bus or going across land, you don't think. So over to the park board, where they're putting together a plan on how to capture maybe more than one otter. They're super intelligent. Uh, they usually come in groups of anywhere from two to five. And, you know, they, those, those things can climb trees. There's, they're, the river otter is extremely aggressive. This heron is doing the same thing, eating small koi. And there's nothing they can do about that, knowing it'll fly away when pickings get slim. But it's the 14th now 11 larger prized koi that's the big issue the oldest koi it's uh, 50 something years old um, so her name is madonna and um, she's one of our oldest residents and uh, we would hate to see madonna go because of the otter some of these fish depending on their size and markings can be worth thousands of dollars each on the international koi market of course that's totally lost on a river otter 
who didn't even like what he caught. Ted Chernighi, Global News. <laughs> a koi named Madonna and a river otter in the, in the ornamental in the gardens. Chinatown. I mean, Weird. so crazy. That's Hope Madonna survives. Okay, so what is the natural enemy of the otter? And can they hire that as a security guard? Yeah. <laughs> Be humans right now. It's putting on a show for the people at Sunyatsan Gardens, yeah. though. I love the comment that he didn't take the bus. <laughs> no. Like, no. No. It's a mystery. Uh, Once v- otters figure out how to use public transit, then we're, we're all, then we're all yeah. Messed, yeah. messed up. Uh, really cool time lapse of the fog earlier. Yes. And is that going to, we're going to see more of that? We'll see it again tomorrow, that's for sure. We'll also see more cloud cover tomorrow, but at least it will be dry again. It's not until Wednesday that we're expecting the rain to push in, and then we're going to see it on and off for the next several days. Okay. So you ought to take advantage of tomorrow's dry weather. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that was wow. good. No, it was terrible. It was Thank terrible. you for tuning in. <laughs> Have a good night, everybody. Oh, that's why they pay you guys the big bucks. <laughs>